Pastor Ed Taylor on the empowering work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, look, guys, the power of God's going to come upon you, and you're going to do the impossible. Think about that. God wants to do the impossible in your life. You don't have to do it. You don't have to accomplish it. You don't have to figure it out. You can take that financial thing out of your backpack and give it to the God of the impossible, the God that is able to make a way where there is no way. This is amazing grace. in a world that is getting darker by the minute and all the more reason to shine the light of the gospel. To do this, we'll need power from on high, and we have that in the Holy Spirit. Today on Abounding Grace, we pause to consider the empowering work of the Spirit in our lives. I think it's safe to say most of you want to live a God-pleasing life, but many are trying to do that in their own strength. It simply can't be done. Pastor Ed shows us how it is accomplished through the Spirit of God in his message today from John 20 and Acts 1. Lest we think a discussion of religion is for someone out there, it's very much for us. When we think of religion, think of repetitive, habitual, emotionless decisions. Like church. Church has become so religious for people. It's just something to do, something we think we need to do, something that I really don't even want to do, but I'm going to come here anyway for my wife, for my, for my husband, for my mom. And, and you just become so religious. And, and as you're here, like, because you think about this gathering together, basically what we're doing right now, we have done pretty much the same way for the last 18 years whether we're meeting here, whether we're meeting in the school, whether we're meeting in the basement down the street on Winston and Hampton, whether we're meeting over at Buckley and Wagon Trail at the church, whenever we gather together, we're basically doing the same thing. Coming together to sing, pray together, study the Bible together, and, and connect with one another. We're basically doing the same thing, really, that every believer has done since the beginning of time, since the beginning of the gathering of followers of God. And whenever you do something repetitively, it's easy to become religious especially with spiritual things. And so when you stand where I stand and I make these observations over the years, I watch it happen. So here's how a typical service happens. There are always those that come early. And usually they're the same people. They come early, they come down into the cafe or they come in here and then visitors normally get here a little early as well. And you can tell visitors here, which is a good thing for you to know so you can greet them and encourage them and welcome them, is they're probably doing one of two, one of three things. One, they're sitting here early looking up at the screens, re actually reading the announcement slides because they're interested what it is. And so they're really focused on the screens. Two, they may be sitting here and they're reading one of those uh, welcome to the church guides that we put together because somebody gave it to them and said, hey, this is all the information you need to know about our church. Most of the questions people ask are answered here. And so they're reading it through. Or three, they're walking around lost because they have no idea where they're at. And says, so, is there anywhere for my kids? It looks like a big room. They go, oh, there's a downstairs. Oh, there's a downstairs. And then you walk them down. And, and there's, so there's always people here early. And then the church comes in. We start singing. And then there's always people that come in late 
for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's hard to get out of the house. Sometimes it's got backed up in the children's ministry. Uh, sometimes, well, you're just always late to everything you ever do. So you're late. Okay, so there's late people. And then the, there's the song, and then there's the announcements. And then with announcements, whatever, bulletin or whoever's doing them, most people check out. They're not really interested what's going on in their church. It's your church. This is your home. This is what, what's going on as we're uh, reaching you, as we're reaching those outside, outreach, ministry, needs, opportunities, where the church comes. So you, you kind of check out. You go, no, I'm not interested. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to serve there. I'm not going to serve there. I'm not going to serve at all. I'm not really interested in bringing anything for the food pantry or whatever's in there. Uh, missionaries, man, they mention missionaries. Uh, you just kind of check out. And then you go through the service and you go, okay, I know there's going to be a few more songs. Then that guy's going to come up and teach again. I hope he's really fast this week. I hope he doesn't go over. I don't think he's quite that funny. So I'm not even expecting him to be funny. You know, all that stuff. And then I close my eyes and I begin to pray. And then there are always those that leave early. Because I'm peeking when I'm closing my eyes. I see you. <laughs> and then you do that every week. It happens every week. If we put a still cam that takes those pictures, you know, what, what do they call those cameras? Uh, time lapse. If we did a time lapse camera in here, it would be the same thing every week. It's pretty predictable. And then you take that and go, well, wait a minute, Ed. What's predictable in my life religiously? I don't know. You'll have to answer that. But could it be that in even the relationship you have with your own church family, you're just religious, going through the motions? And don't you have to ask yourself, have I been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Am I walking in the Spirit even at church, especially at church? Am I walking in the Holy Spirit? Am I open to hear from God? Am I open to serve Him? Because all of us can get religious, living life on empty. That God would have us to be filled. That our relationship with Jesus is to be dynamic and unexpected that we would live in his power and not our own power. There's such resistance to the work of the Holy Spirit, even among believers, where you're trying to master this thing, and you're trying to figure things out. And eventually, if not today, it's going to be eventually, you're going to come to the conclusion, it's impossible to live a life that pleases God in your own strength and your own knowledge. It's impossible. You'll never make it. You'll always be frustrated. Instead of the embracing the Holy Spirit, folks will just hold on to their own thinking and their own upbringing. But Jesus says that there's power for you. Why? To be witnesses. To be witnesses, he says. To be a witness of my power in your life. To be able to share the gospel. Notice in Jerusalem, Judea, this is Acts 1.8, and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You really have to understand something in order to grasp the weight of this statement. The ones that are listening to this statement have never really left what's known today as Israel. That's where they lived. That's where they served. That's where they were born. That's where they work. That they, they don't, there, there wasn't, the, the, the first century wasn't like taking vacations. And I mean, you pretty much worked every day, seven days a week, your whole life, and lived in the same area your whole life. So that when Jesus speaks of them being witnesses in Jerusalem, they're like, okay, I get that. I live in Jerusalem. We've been doing this in Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, the, uh, the regions around Jerusalem, they could come to that conclusion. I get that. I can, I can, it would be the equivalent for us here in Aurora. 
being witnesses here in Aurora, the Denver metro area, Judea, Samaria, Colorado, the United States. You know, they didn't have the transportation that we have today. They didn't have almost everything that we have today. So they could get Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, but then he said what? To the end of the earth. That's an impossibility. That's, they, they couldn't do that. To the end of the earth. First of all, they didn't even know where the end of the earth was. They weren't even sure. They weren't even sure where, what? What? We're going to take the gospel where? Around the world? Now, the Romans had conquered much of the world and had Roman roads and systems there, but the whole, there was so much of the world that wasn't even known yet. And Jesus says, look, guys, the power of God's going to come upon you, and you're going to do the impossible. Think about that. God wants to do the impossible in your life. You don't have to do it. You don't have to accomplish it. You don't have to figure it out. You can take that financial thing out of your backpack and give it to the God of the possible, the God of the impossible, the God that is able to make a way where there is no way. Ask Moses. Moses was trapped. Everybody was relying upon him. And God shows up. Ask the disciples over and over again. I think of Jerusalem here. You know, Jeff has been a part of our body for a long, long time. God put it on his heart. God put it on his heart to go up to the apartments up north and fix kids' bicycles. Because up in the apartments up north is where a lot of the refugees that are coming to the Denver area are living. And he is ministering and has been ministering. This is just something the Lord put on his heart, something that God gave him to do. Uh, he's been ministering up in, those, up in a couple apartments now from refugees from Somalia, Ethiopia, Congo, Uganda, Burma, Nepal, and Mexico. Three different complexes where he's giving bikes and clothes, playing games, making crafts, doing VBS. When, when we do short-term trips now, we have started to lead short-term trip leaders to do a small trip up north first before they go out of the country to practice and to get experience. And Jeff has been doing this for a long time. So a couple weeks ago, he came up and shared a little testimony. I know you'll love it. It's amazing. He was over at the apartments fixing bikes for these refugee kids. And, and some kids came over, Mr. Jeff, Mr. Jeff, would you please give us a bicycle? We don't have a bicycle. And, and Jeff said, I don't have any bicycles right now either. And then it, it sparked. The Holy Spirit spoke to him and ministered to him. And he told these kids, they were Muslim kids, kids from a Muslim background. And he looked at the kids in a very kind and gentle way. But he looked at the kids and said, I'll tell you what, kids. Why don't you take this week and pray to your God for your bicycles? Pray to your God. And it was just about the time where on Wednesdays we're studying Elijah, remember, up on Mount Carmel, and he tells the prophets of Baal, hey, call out to your gods. Go ahead and call out. And they started dancing and cutting themselves. And, and, and then even Elijah said, well, I guess they didn't come. Maybe, you're, maybe your God is on the toilet, you know, and he's not paying attention to you. He literally, the Bible says that. Don't say, Ed, do you make that? Nope, nope, it's there. It's there in, a, in the New Living Translation or the Living Bible. But at any rate, he's over there, and, and Jeff tells these kids, you pray to your God and ask him for your bicycles. He comes back the next week, and the kids come up, and, and Jeff says, hey, well, what happened? What happened? You've been asking your God for the bikes. Did you get their bikes? And they said, oh, no, we didn't get the bikes. And Jeff said, I'll tell you what. This week, I'm going to pray to my God, the one true God. I'm going to pray by faith in Jesus Christ that my God will give me bikes for you. Now, he didn't have any bikes at the time. And so he was really putting himself, or as he said, he was really putting God out there for these Muslim kids and their families. So I'm going to pray to my God this week, and I'm going to ask God for bikes for you, and I'll see you next week. And I said, okay. So Jeff is praying during the week, and wouldn't you know it, he gets a call out of the blue a relationship that he has with a used bike shop in town. And the, the guy says, hey, come on over. I got 20 bikes for you. Just come in and pick them up. And 
And so Jeff goes, oh, I can't believe it. Oh, God, you're so good. He goes and picks up the... Then he delivers the bikes to the kids and says, look what my God has done. I mean, come on now. That, that is, to me, that's amazing. So, so, so Jeff, he can't do this. He can't do this in his own strength. I mean, I guess he could. I guess he could. You know, I guess he can go down to Walmart, buy a few bikes, and then come and say, here are your bikes. And he could have given them in Jesus' name in a very real way. And yet the Holy Spirit led him not to go down and buy one, not even to call his friend, but instead to pray. Like this was a challenge. This was a challenge for, for the, because, you know, when, when ministering to kids, which is primarily what we minister to apartments, when ministering to kids, don't forget this, because God used this in my life and Marie's life. God uses the kids to get to the parents. You know, when my little guy Eddie was coming home from school, telling me, looking up in his big brown eyes, saying, I've got Jesus in my heart. Do you, Dad? I remember thinking, what are they teaching you at that Christian school, man? And yet at the same time, there was a melting and a softening of my heart as my little boy was introduced to Jesus even before I was as an adult, even though I, I grew up in the church. I, didn't, I wasn't born again. I didn't live for the things of God. You see, God doesn't want us just to gather together in this holy huddle. Here we are, the holy huddle. We're in the church, like defined by these four walls. We're not defined by these four walls. You know, some, some, sometimes you just think that church is just about me. It's just all about me. I've been around long enough. I've seen this throughout the years. I've seen, I've seen how the church, even the leadership of the church, has tried to adapt to the world because we in the world, and if we're not careful, we'll just, it's all about me. What do you have for me? What do you have for me? You might be visiting today and you're like, man, what do you have for me? What do you have? I, I can answer that question because, you know, maybe you came in with a list and you got like four or five things on here. Whoop, they got this, they got this. And maybe we passed your list of five. Well, if you just made it six, we'd fail because we don't have everything and, and we're not going to have everything. And neither is that church or this church. Like, that's not what church is about. My responsibility is not to try to please everyone and make sure the church is appealing to everyone. No, no, no. It's very simple. My job, my responsibility is very simple. As a pastor, I'm to shepherd the flock of God that's among me. I'm I'm to serve you. And I'm to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's it. And then we as the church are to do the work of the ministry in a hostile world. It could be that you're so beat down today and you're so tired and it's so hard because this is what it feels like when you attempt to do the things of God in your own strength. That's what it feels like. You're not walking in the Spirit. You're not living in the Spirit. You're not baptized by the Spirit. You're not filled with the Holy Spirit, but rather you're living out trying to master this thing and you're finding out that you can't. You can't. You're not going to be the mom that God wants you to be in your own strength. Isn't it amazing as we're growing up, you go, you know, I'm going to be different from my parents, but the older we get, man, we sure are a lot like our parents, man. It's like, whoa. I mean, we might have improved a little bit, but, you know, it's only the Spirit of God that'll break that generational thing. It's only the Spirit of God. It's not going to be self-help. It's not going to be that, that new book or that series, as good as it might be. It's only the Spirit of God is going to make you something different than you were. There's that relationship of the Spirit that just comes out of us. Being filled with the Spirit. I mean, you, you look at churches today, like, like, like there's this mindset of consumerism and, and what do you have for me? And, and if you don't have this, then I'm going to go down the street. Well, you know, that's too bad because I watch people hop around, boom, all over the place looking for something that they already have. The presence of the Holy Spirit in their life. <laughs> the issue is actually not the church at all. Although some churches not teaching the right doctrine it is, but for the most part, it's not, the, it's not that issue at all. The issue is our heart and being fleshly and not spiritual. That's the root of it. 
And so what does Jesus say? He tells the disciples, you guys, fill with the Spirit, wait, wait for power that comes on high. It's going to make you a witness. So you're going to be a witness where? In a hostile world. You're going to do the impossible. You're not going to create a little social club, a little Christian social club, where you just come together and you're not really worried about who's outside the walls here, but rather, you know, in huddles, when you get into a huddle, it's a pretty exclusive thing. You know, like the, the Broncos are going to be playing this afternoon, right? And, and they're going to be getting together in huddles, and that's exclusive. You're not allowed in there. The opposing team's not allowed in there. Now, in case you go to the game this afternoon and you doubt me, run out on the field and try to get in the huddle and tell me how it goes. <laughs> Text me and let me know because we want to tape it so we can play it here and go, look, this dude took me up on it. This is amazing, but I told you, you're not allowed. And there you are walking out. Sorry, Ed, it's all your fault, man. Bail me out. No, it's not my fault. It was your choice. <laughs> but I mean, that's an, ex- that's, a, that's an exclusive thing. And churches sometimes are like that. They're so inward focused. It's all about us and it's all about what we need. What are my needs? Listen, your needs have been met by the power of God and the provision of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. All our needs have been met. Needs of comfort, needs of encouragement, needs of strength, needs of wisdom. All of our needs have been met. And now receive the power of the Holy Spirit and get into a hostile world and shine the light of the gospel. Okay, I I have a... I want to show you how powerful light is, okay? So take your phones out if you know how to use your flashlight on your phone. Take your phones out. Take your phones out in a minute. I want to illustrate something to you. And I want to show you the power of light because the, the, the world is dark. Now, unfortunately, it's daytime right now, so we're going to have some light coming through the windows, but it will be enough. It will be enough. I want you to see this with your own eyes. If you know how to use your, you know how to use your uh, flashlight, go ahead and kill all the lights. All the lights. Yeah. All right, here we go. You guys, so go ahead and lift them up. And just take a look around. There's not many of us, but just look around. Take a look. With just this little bit of light, together, we can light this room up. We can light this room up. Keep them up. I'm going to take a picture because this is kind of cool. So we don't do this very often. So let me take a picture. Uh, Let me get back here. It's kind of cool. Shine your light of the gospel. Oh, man, don't keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. The light of the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit. And let there be light. Oh, it's too late. <laughs> and so the power of the gospel in your life, you, you may not see so significant, it's just your little phone, but together, together with hundreds, thousands, millions, like the light of the gospel is important. But listen, listen, you're much brighter than your little phone. You're much lighter in a dark, hostile world. God has all the power, all that's necessary for you and I to live a life that's pleasing to him honoring to him and effective in your homes, in your communities, in your workplace. Before you do anything at all, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me show you one more thing. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5, and this will be it. Again, there's always semantic issues with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You might say, well, I just think we should be filled with the Holy Spirit. Great. Then, Then let's use the Bible when it says being filled with the Holy Spirit here in Ephesians 5. It's not something that we really need to argue about. It's not something that we really need to resist. It's just something we need to yield ourselves and submit to God. So notice, with the picture of light, with the illustration of light in your mind, notice this in verse 8, Ephesians 5. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, proving what is acceptable to the Lord. 
And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Verse 13. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then, church, see then you walk uprightly. Some Bibles say circumspectly, mine does, but it also means carefully. See that you walk, live your life carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And we say, okay, Paul, what's the will of the Lord? Verse 18, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation or emptiness, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he gives that illustration of being under the influence of alcohol, drunk, unable to control yourself, under the influence, under the complete control. He says, instead of yielding your control, and it's not just alcohol, although alcohol is a great illustration. It could be, you know, drugs, but, but we also think about people being drunk with, their, with a desire for money and just under the control of money, or being drunk with ambition, or being drunk with power. The idea is to be controlled by. He says, don't be controlled by anything other, don't be controlled by anything other than the filling and the power of the person of God that lives in you, the Holy Spirit. Imagine that. Go home today with that on your mind. Meditate on that this week. God lives in you, the hope of glory. God himself has chosen to take up residence in our lives. So you don't have to master anything. Just surrender. Jesus said, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow him. And the deal is this. It's a beautiful exchange. It's his life for your life. His power, your weakness. His wisdom, your lack of understanding. It's a beautiful exchange that God is continuing to grow us in. I see too many. I see too many, and it seems to be increasing. And it's not just our church. I'm involved with a lot of pastors, a lot of ministries around town, a lot of ministries around the world, literally. Different languages, different countries, and it's the same thing. They're seeing, the guys, the guys I'm, I'm, I'm ministering alongside of, they see the same thing. Too many men not loving their wives. Too many wives not submitting under their husband. Too, too many not, not being faithful at work. Too many, too many believers fighting, gossiping, lying, struggling, flirting. I mean, on and on and on. Why? There's a lack of submission to the Holy Spirit. These things, we do not sin when we're walking in the Spirit. <laughs> but we do sin when we're in the flesh. And when you live in the flesh, you sin a lot. Even to the point where sometimes... We even wonder, are you a believer at all? Which is a sad testimony to the believer that has the power of God in them. So be filled, church, with the Holy Spirit. Wake up with a, a sense in, of daily wanting to know, what does God have for my life? What does God have for my life? What is it today, Lord? You homeschooling mom, what is it today? You single person, what is it today? You're going to go out knocking on the, on the doors again, looking for a job. What is it today, Lord? Who is it today? Where are you going to lead me? What direction are you going to take me? Protect and guard me in this world, Lord. I need your power. We've been talking about the empowering work of the Holy Spirit today on Abounding Grace. One part of a study in John's Gospel from Pastor Ed Taylor. 
You can hear this message again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through our app. Search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play. And we're also on OnePlace.com and have a podcast, too. At the turn of the year, many of us have some resolutions to break a stubborn habit or two. Maybe it's a tendency to worry, drink alcohol, lust, or curse. And perhaps you're finding it very difficult to break. Well, we've got a helpful book to share with you from Erwin Lutzer called How to Break a Stubborn Habit. As the name of the title would suggest, this book will help you shake that nasty habit. And we'll send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Just call and ask for How to Break a Stubborn Habit. Our number is 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order online at calvaryco.store. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generous support of our listeners. And as we deliver God's Word one verse at a time, we're looking to our listeners for help. Together, we can reach people with the love and truth of Christ and make a difference in these last days. To make a secure donation, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. Empty Nets. Empty Ness. That's the title of our next study in the Gospel of John. We'll have that for you tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.